otherworldly vocals, processed strings, elaborate electronic orchestrations, and more. This time on the Classic Eclectic Connection, we speak with the, quote, maverick electronic song composer Jacob Cooper, all about his new album, Terrain, which is a collection of three new works. I'm Kurt Hosworth. Terrain is an album of three works by composer Jacob Cooper that comes from studio, invention, and collaboration. First of all, welcome. Thanks, Kurt. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on the line to talk about Terrain. So, um, first of all, you've composed works for The Voice and for electronics before, uh, including the song cycle Silver Threads for soprano and electronics. When you start a new work, what comes first? The the sketching, the ideas, or do you do you capture the, the vocal lines or the instrument lines from your collaborators? Can you speak a bit about the collaboration process? Sure, yeah. For, for me, usually I start with um, a sketch, an instrumental sketch, and really I, I go for a timbre. I'm very much like a timbral composer. Um, for those of people who don't know the word timbre, it's essentially like the sound of a, yeah, this, the, the, um, the sonic qualities. So basically it's what makes a piano different from a clarinet, uh, but it also what makes um, a one string on the violin sound different from a different string on the violin. Uh, and so I'm really interested in the way that things sound. I think that drives a lot of my composition. So I generally start with a sound that I like, trying to find a sound through, and maybe it's through recording someone else, but usually it's through fooling around in with my computer using plugins and processing and stuff. Um, and often I'm actually starting with some pre-existing music, whether that's my own music or stealing someone else's music um, and, you know, slowing it way down or putting a ton of reverb on it or, um, you know, make, getting it to some point where it's not recognizable. Because uh, that, that initial thing is always very difficult for me. It's like, you know, the blank page issue that writers always talk about and that many people have experienced too. I feel that a lot in composition. So starting with something else and, and getting a sketch from there is usually the way that I go. Along with uh, working with uh, different effects, I know happy accidents sometimes really bring uh, those really nice results, too. Yes, of course. Yeah, happy accidents have, have definitely been <laughs> a part of my composition, for sure. Uh, well, you've also said in the past, uh, I was looking at uh, an interview on Here and Now, that you like to think of music as any sound that is organized and creates a reaction in the listener. And uh, with that, what reaction do you hope to achieve with the three pieces of work on terrain? I think with these pieces, I, and with my music in general, I, I like people to get lost in it. Um, like I liked them to experience a sense of timelessness in a way, like not a lot of my music slowly developing, but I don't so much want it to feel like, oh, this is plodding along slowly. Um, I think I want them to feel a certain euphoria or um, meditative experience might might also be a, a good way, good way to describe it. Um, at the same time, I you know you mentioned the collaboration, and I work with poets a lot, and the text to me is very important. And I like to have the pieces have some sort of conceptual basis and something that goes beyond just listening. So they don't necessarily have to think about all these things in the moment. That's kind of overwhelming, but I, I like to, them to have some sort of conceptual heft as well. Yeah, and it, it sounds like it's a, a good opportunity to kind of uh, put a listener into some kind of state of, like you said, a, a bliss or some kind of uh, 
spatial awareness or something and then provide them some some more fodder or some more ammo or something to dig into maybe after they've had that experience like you said uh working with poets to have their original text they'll say well that was a really cool piece and now i can go back and look at the text and say oh yeah that that hits even harder now that i've read that uh so it's really cool to hear that you can kind of put them in a a trance-like state for a bit Cool. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you have that experience with it. Because I, I think one, you know, one thing working with poets is it's different from standard lyrics, and that it's a little more complicated. You know, it's not necessarily things that that you can understand right away. Um, so it does ask for repeated listening or actually repeated thinking. The flash collapses till it's focused light. The aperture nears and starts to seize inside. You move with candles in a floating sea And hold the passing by a folded breeze Well, you have one piece from 2016, one from 2018, and then one from this year, 2020. So what made these three works stand out to you to kind of combine into the trio of works found on Terrain? Yeah, so I I definitely consider an album myself. Um, I mean, there are only three pieces, but they're you know all all over ten minutes long. And um, I so I'd written Ripple the Sky. Uh, I had gotten commissions to write Ripple the Sky, the first piece, and a commission to write Expiation, the the second piece. Um, and I felt like those pieces worked well together. They're both for male vocalists. They both happen to be about seventeen minutes long. Um, they're for male vocalists with accompaniment. Uh, they deal with these certain timbral things in a way that uh, they have certain similarities. This, you know, they both sort of invite this uh, meditative listening. Um, and so I pitched it to New Amsterdam, the, the label that this album is on. Um, and Judd Greenstein, one of the artistic directors, got back to me and he was like, We love the music, but we feel like just two pieces is, you know, maybe it's not long enough. And what holds these two pieces together, you know, like, is it, is it just, it really makes sense as an album. And I came back to him with the idea of writing a third piece um, that acts as a sort of synthesis of the album uh, or synthesizes the first two pieces, or maybe it's a reaction to the first two pieces. So the last piece, which is the title piece of the album, Terrain, um, was composed as a, as a way to sort of react to those first two pieces. So Zach Savage, the, the poet there, I, I, <laughs> I rely on poets a lot to help me through conceptual things, but I was, I was saying basically here's the music and the text from the first two pieces let's see how we can tie this together um so he came up with some text and i came up with some music that uses similar ideas so we we have the um vocalists from the first two pieces the vocal soloist on the first pieces theo bluckman on the second pieces jody landau so on this third piece i use both of them as a sort of duet uh and ashley bathgate the cellist um who i believe has appeared on your show before so she she is on uh she plays on ripple the sky the first piece and then i brought her back for the third piece as a sort of um, chamber, you know, to sort of create a chamber atmosphere with that. Uh, and there's actual, there's actual music that I take. Um, you know, I said earlier that I like to steal from pre-existing music, and in this case, I took elements of those first two pieces and brought them in uh, when I was creating the sketches for uh, for that last piece. Did the sinking envelope fill with rain? What better way to uh, steal some ideas than steal your own? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to worry about uh, <laughs> royalties that way, I guess. 
but that's that's also a great way to tie together two big themes is to create kind of a new one uh like you said with a synthesis of the first two now with the process of getting uh these recordings and also using some pre-recorded uh performances um some of this was pre-covid and now in the year 2020 that we're recording this a lot of things have changed so um what do you see happening with the future of how we collaborate or are you already experiencing that with you know distance recordings and i don't know zoom calls and all those kind of things yeah it's interesting because i I think my recording life is actually fine i mean increasingly i've become a composer who works out of the studio and um likes the workshopping experience with individual performers um and now that just means that i we can't do that in person i i have they have to have a decent microphone and i send them material and they record it and they send it back to me which is sometimes how i've worked a little bit um it's obviously better when you can do it in person but um and, and I've, in fact, um, just yesterday was speaking with someone who's going to commission me and a, another vocalist to do a sort of quarantine piece where we're doing back and forth collaboration like that, which I'm excited about. Um, but what we don't have, of course, is the live performances. And I've realized how significant that is for me, not necessarily artistically, but just fulfillment wise, like the recording um, is a wonderful thing to have for posterity and in a way that is sort of my professional focus but the performance is like that cathartic moment uh that feels wonderful you know like being able to have everyone together uh even if it's an imperfect thing um just being able to experience things together and hang out after the show and talk about it and you know i've realized that like that is so much of a reason why i'm a composer is the social aspect so i miss that a lot um creatively artistically i i think i'll be okay um but in terms of fulfillment, it's uh, it's tough right now, for sure. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that. I've heard it quoted before. IRL is always better than virtual. Um, but I know we're all making the best of it how we can here. And I, I definitely feel for you there. And I, I'm sure that at some point we'll get back to a point where you can take these ideas that are kind of crystallized on these recordings. And then, like you said, if they're not perfect or, you know, if they're just different in a live setting, then that becomes a whole other beast. And I'm sure that's where a lot of that electricity comes from uh, when you have those experiences. So I hope we can get back to that at some point. But uh, just real briefly, um, talking about your studio and how you're using that, can you tell us about your studio setup? Because you get different parts, you get voice parts, cello parts, ensemble parts. They all must be like wrangled in a, a DAW of some kind. And you, you mentioned plugins and effects. So how do you use your studio uh, in that capacity as a, comp- as a composition tool? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I... So I guess I had there. There are two um, purposes that it, <clears throat> it my studio has. One is basic recording. So, uh, you know, I, I just have like a basic interface and, and a decent preamp and stuff, and I'll um, record solos or, or duets usually from my home studio. Um, and then there's the issue with processing these sounds using plugins and things. Um, so some of some of the times when I'm recording an acoustic instrument, say for example a cello, which we were talking about earlier with Ashley. Um, Sometimes I'll just have the cello sound as it is, as it's recorded. But other times I like to add delay to it, add distortion to it, add all of these different things. And I'm mostly a software guy. You know, I'm not, I wasn't raised to be a real studio nerd um, with a, you know, bunch of modular synths or anything. Um, I I totally respect that. I just can't always wrap my head around it. Um, So I'm basically, yeah, I mean, I use Logic as my digital audio workstation and um, 
have have different effects built into that and you know third-party software that uh that helps me process the material uh and for me it usually helps me get to a place that's new like i'm interested in and when i say new i mean sonically new timbrely new um i'm very interested in exploring new sounds um and a studio can help me get there. Uh, so I can do this acoustically too, as, as many composers do, um, but in a way the studio is a quicker way to get there. Yeah, and it sounds like an integral part of your sound, of your composition style, of your of your voice into the world. So it's wonderful to hear how you use those tools and then hear the result of that on uh, your album, Terrain. That's available now from New Amsterdam. Jacob Cooper is our guest today. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about the album, Terrain, or about any of the pieces? Um, I, not so much specifically. Um, I think, I guess it could be interesting to talk about the collaborative experience with the poets, um, because that's, I think that's kind of a unique thing. You know, uh, I feel very spoiled by it. Um, the, the traditional way of, of setting a quote unquote song in the art, in the art music world is to take pre-existing text, um, you know, take a poem that you love and then, and then set it. Um, but I feel very spoiled working with these poets, uh, because there's a lot of back and forth that happens. Like I send them a sketch of music. They send me a sketch of text. Uh, we say which parts of which we like. Um, then we develop a form from there and then we get down to individual lines and I can say, Oh, can you add a few syllables here? Can you make this part twice as long? And that sort of thing. Um, so I, I really build the piece with them, um, which is, which is a wonderful experience for me and, and helps move the piece along in a lot of ways and not be stuck in my, my own head about it. Anything else that we should uh, add or maybe ways that people can get in touch with you and find out more about your music? Uh, sure. So I my um, I have a website, jacobcoopermusic.com, uh, and my contact info is on there. You know, you can send me, send me old-fashioned email through Gmail. Uh, I also have a Facebook page. Um, of course, there are not uh any performances coming up um but we are we are going to do a tour of this at some point we had planned one for september and october it's looking increasingly likely like that won't happen um and it did include a couple midwest shows in chicago and uh and minneapolis as well um so that'll happen at some point um so there are a couple streaming events that i can um that I can plug one uh, our album release event will be happening sometime in a couple weeks um, I'll have the specific date for that soon uh, and then Jody Landau the vocalist for the piece Expiation will be singing uh, that's that uh, radio edit of that piece um, at the Bang on a Can Marathon they're doing another Bang on a Can Marathon in August um, August 16th I believe the date is for that so you can see some live performances, not IRL, but <laughs> hopefully interesting enough. Awesome, awesome. Well, good to hear that. Well, at least you'll get the word out there uh, about the works and about the album and some performance opportunities one way or another. Um, and thank you so much for, for the close listening and, and thoughtful questions and everything. I, I really appreciate it as a composer. It's always nice when, when people are asking thoughtful questions. So thank you. My thanks again to our guest Jacob Cooper talking to us about his new album Terrain, releasing July 10th, 2020 from New Amsterdam Records. This has been Class Eclectic Connection for Public Radio 90. You can find more information at wnmufm.org. And as always, thanks for listening, and in the world of music, always be curious. <laughs>